Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. So a few years ago I took a solo motorcycle trip down Baja, California. Towards the bottom of the peninsula, near the town of La Paz, I decided I was going to camp on a stretch of secluded beach. This was something I'd already done a number of times during the trip, and I'd always been fine. So in the afternoon, I load up some supplies in town, and head out. About 20 miles outside of the city, about 5 miles from the nearest sign of civilization I came to a nice beach with a little bungalow bar. I asked the guy, a gringo, behind the bar about possibly camping in the vicinity. He said, yeah, give it a go, there's nobody out here so it'll be fine. 
Good enough for me. I drove about two miles down the beach on a sandy little path. About 50 yards from the sandy path there were some decently sized dunes, then there was the sea. I pitched by tent among the dunes next to my bike, cooked some dinner, took a swim, and when it got dark, I crawled inside and read a book with my headlamp. Around midnight I saw lights illuminate the side of my tent. WTF? I quickly turned off my headlamp, and stuck my head out the tent flap. Sure enough, there was a car slowly bumping its way down the sandy track. Oh shit. The car comes to a stop directly parallel to my tent. Headlights off. Car doors open and close. Oh shit. I grab my little Leatherman knife, not sure what I thought I was gonna do with it exactly, and scrambled about 20 yards away from the tent and hid in the dunes. Laying flat on the sand, I waited. Hoping against hope that nobody found me. What if they do? Should I attack them first? What if they have guns? Could I actually stab someone? It probably doesn't matter, they probably have guns. After what felt like an hour of sheer panic, but was probably more like 15 minutes, I hear car doors open and close again. Headlights on. They did a three-point turnaround, I thought for a split second that they were just turning the car to use the headlights to find me, and then they drove back the way they came. I still didn't go back to the tent for probably an hour, I just laid in the sand. Eventually I snuck back. Check it out for footprints around, but I couldn't tell if they were new or mine from earlier. I packed everything up in the dark, loaded it on my bike ready to make a quick getaway should they come back. Then I sat there with my back against the bike for the rest of the night watching the road until morning. When I was camping out in the back woods of Connecticut I experienced what I can only explain as supernatural. I was bet waking my camp down with my buddy and as we were packing up our bags him I saw it. The entire world had turned orange. Now when I say this I first thought it was the sun reflecting of the autumn colors of the forest, but then I looked at my hands. Literally everything had turned to the same shade of orange even if there was no direct light on it. At this point I'm hyperventilating because my mind cannot work out what the F is going on. I turn to my buddy and he's frozen in fear just staring at me and says please tell me you're seeing what I'm seeing because I'm freaking out bro. I tell him he's not crazy and that everything is orange and he nods his head in disbelief. To this day I have no idea what the hell happened back there, but I don't know if I can go back. The eeriness of the color and how silent and still the forest became during that ordeal is something I will never forget. One time I was out hiking with a group of my younger brother's friends, I am 19, they are all 12 to 14, and we come up on this older guy, 45 to 50, and a girl, no idea how old she was, could have been anywhere from 17 to 23. We had been on a spur trail near the Appalachian Trail for maybe three days so far, so not far from civilization, just sort of middle of nowhere mountains. So this guy is wearing jeans and a flannel in the middle of July. He has a school backpack, not a backpacking pack, and the girl isn't really saying anything. Me and my friend who is leading the hike with me is sort of like what the hell is going on confused. So we walk up to the guy. He was in the middle of the trail, 
and make conversation. Everyone is super friendly out there. The guy asked how our day was, usual small talk. Then he asked which was was the Appalachian Trail. I told him it was maybe two days hike the opposite direction which seemed odd. We continue, despite the oddness. Then I asked him how their hike was and such and what they are up to. He said that the girl was his daughter and that her mother drops her off with him once every summer and they section hike the Appalachian Trail together every summer. Last year they did 100 miles, the year before that 150, and so on. Now they are in the Virginia section. I'm like oh cool that's so family friendly. Then he asked us where we are staying for the night. Now mind you we have 5 to 6 12 year old boys with us. I'm like hell no I'm not telling him where we are camping for the night. He then asked if he could stay with us cause he was sort of lost. I was like, no sorry, we don't have enough food and he was like oh I don't need charity. We have food. So I shake that off. I just tell him we are camping at Sugar Pond, miles away from where we are camping, and then I tell my friend Chris that we need to get the F out of there. We book it for 4 more miles till camp, skip the place we were originally camping it just cause the guy seems so creepy. Nothing happens, we get picked up the next day, I forget about it. Months later, I run into my friend Chris again. I asked him how the rest of his summer in Virginia was, and he goes dude, did I ever tell you about that kidnapper? Immediately I'm like OF. The guy we saw. Turns out the guy we saw had met the girl, who was actually 14, on an internet chat room and met her at a Walmart nearby. He then kidnapped her and brought her on the trail with him to avoid the cops. Days after we saw him they had helicopters and police all over the southwestern corner of Virginia searching for him. The knocking started about a month ago. I might have ignored it, if it weren't for the fact that I already got eerie feelings about the wooded hill behind our house. I heard it from inside, and went out the back door to investigate, thinking maybe someone was on our property, hacking down trees. This had happened in October, without our knowledge and I was ready to let someone have a piece of my mind. But when I stepped out of the covered patio and onto the wood porch, I was stopped in my tracks by the worst feeling deep in my gut. Let me preface this by saying, we bought this house back in February and while I have always had weird, creepy, sometimes unexplained things happen to me, the things that we have experienced in the short 10 months that we have lived in our house go far beyond what even I could have imagined. We live in a beautiful home, on 11 acres in the North Carolina mountains. Only about two and a half acres are cleared and that makes up our front and backyard. The house faces the right side of the property, so the side of the house, is actually in the back. About 15 feet from the back door, is a beautiful rock retaining wall, that creates a barrier between the house, and the remaining nine and a half wooded acre. The woods aren't on flat land, it's a massive hill that we have only been to the top of maybe four times. I will get more into detail of the layout of the uncleared part of our property later. The front yard still has about a dozen and a half nicely spaced trees, creating a beautifully shaded yard. So beautiful, we got married in this yard just a month after we moved in. About a week later, the pandemic shut everything down, forcing us to remain in our home. Where we thought we were alone. 
This brings me back to the present. The original knocking that I heard, happened on November 12th. Luckily, I am the type of person that photographs and takes videos of everything and I pulled out my phone that day and recorded the sound. If I can figure out how, I will try and upload the video. I would like to say, that what I heard was simply a woodpecker. But since moving in we have heard numerous woodpeckers going to town on the trees and this sound is quite different. I doesn't come through on the videos I have taken, but standing outside, hearing it in person is terrifying. You can feel it, in your chest and your stomach. Almost the feeling you get when you're in a car with the music playing loud, the bass that rattles your insides. It's almost like that. It's slow and deliberate and when it happens, it's as if whatever is doing it, is watching you. Now that the leaves have died and fallen from the trees, you can see into the woods well. But the underbrush is thick and so many things could be hiding. Or standing in the open, but you wouldn't even know it. It's been a little over a month since I first heard the knocking and while my wife and I have been trying to ignore it and live our lives as best we can, it's what happened two nights ago, that has me fleeing to Reddit to tell our story and get some opinions. Our cats have been acting funny the last couple of weeks and our dog never seems to want to come inside right away. The path that she takes to come back in, goes right past the rock retaining wall, and she stops there every time. She stares at the trees, sometimes she alerts to something. Other times she just sniffs wildly around the edge of the porch, as if something has been there. I always must raise my voice to snap her out of it and get her to come inside. We chalked it up to wild animals passing through that sections of the yard. We have coyotes, wild turkeys, raccoons and opossums frequent our yard. We had a flock of chickens that we had to rehome because the predators kept finding a way into the coop and killing them. However, two nights ago, it snowed. I know what you're thinking. After it snowed, I found unexplained footprints behind our house. But no. That isn't what happened. I am from the northwest, and I am used to massive amounts of snow. I love it, and for the last five years I haven't got to experience much of it because I live in the south. So, the other night, when we heard what we thought was a raccoon or something messing with the trash bin, we flipped on the floodlights and to my delight, it was snowing. Not only was it snowing, it had been snowing for hours it seemed and it was sticking. So, the sound of something outside was immediately forgotten and I quickly slipped on some shoes and a jacket and went out to enjoy the snow falling. It was so quiet, as it always is when it snows. It was about 9.30 at night and I didn't have a care in the world. I stood out on the deck looking up at the black sky, enjoying the crisp snowflakes as they hit my face taking pictures and trying to capture good photos of snowflakes. I don't know how long I was out there, but I was interrupted by my wife, she doesn't want me to use her real name, so we will call her June. I was interrupted by June calling out the door. She seemed calm, but there was something in her voice, that made my blood cold. She was asking me to, please, come inside? If it weren't for the underlying tremor in her voice, I might have argued to stay out a little longer and let my inner child enjoy the first snowfall of the season. But the tone of her voice had me instantly walking up the stairs and into the house where she promptly locked the door. I was taking off my jacket and kicking off my shoes as I asked her what was wrong. She was pale, 
and her eyes kept shooting to the window behind me. It was what she said next that made me want to crawl inside a hole and never come out. Outside the dining room window, you can see where the tree line stops and it's a bare slope down into the yard. She said she had walked over and picked up our cat to watch me put in the snow. She said she looked for me for a minute before spotting me and wondering what in the world I was doing standing up at the peak of the slope. How I had gotten up there without slipping back down. That's when she saw movement to the right of the window and I walked up, taking pictures of the snow. She looked for me, a few feet from the window, to the figure standing up on the slope. It was dark and shadowed but it was clearly facing the house. Standing perfectly still. Watching me. She said the cat went stiff and bolted out of her arms and that's what broke her away from the window and she rushed to the door to get me to come inside. That was two days ago. The snow has melted, and we haven't gone out past dark. We haven't seen anything else and the cats are acting almost normal. As normal as cats can be, I suppose. The knocking is happening at night now. Usually at sunset and for a little while after. I'm writing this now, because we are sure whatever was out there watching me in snow, is still there. Still watching. And we think it is what has been causing the knocking on the hill. This is all I can bring myself to write for now. I'm going to post again, hopefully with a layout of our property, so it makes more sense. It's about 5 in the evening and the sun is due to set at 5.20. I'll update soon. While I was a Marine stationed at Quantico Marine Base, Virginia. I came back home from a 12-hour shift on base very late at night. This was some time after midnight. Being the only vehicle left in the parking lot for quite some time due to my shift, I parked closest to the building as possible for fear of somebody breaking into it overnight. I was half asleep while walking around my car, inspecting it carefully to make sure that nobody had tampered with anything that may cause problems later on. Growing up in my teenage years, I've had my car broken into twice and had somebody try to cut the brakes underneath my car. To say I'm paranoid is an understatement and very, what I would say, justifiable. With my keys already at hand, feeling around looking for them under dim light coming from one of the building's windows, thinking about how much sleep I was going to get before work again tomorrow morning, I noticed something not being right. With what I can only tell if I look closer, a strange hairy humanoid figure that was crouched down very low to the ground. This caused me to literally freeze and deaden my tracks, right before it sprung up like a coiled spring. It took off running with its back turning me very fast, covering at least 30 yards in only a matter of seconds, without tripping over anything. It had to hurtle over the only thing visible was its massive shoulder height next to a large tree trunk as it ran by, disappearing from sight behind a building. The hair on the creature looked coarse and blackish-brown or even dark gray, maybe not sure why I thought though there were no other colors present. Its hair seemed matted down flat against skin, except for the shoulders where they laid somewhere long just past them, standing straight up as if being held by water or some type of oil, a slippery substance. It was so large that it really caught me off guard and my best guess is if it was running by at least 30 to 40 miles an hour, if not faster. It stood on two feet and its arms hung down to about its knees. 
I had read a story of somebody else who had seen something similar but in another state, but I can remember word for word that he said because it sounded almost identical, except a creature he saw apparently ran on all fours and grabbed a deer with its massive hands, throwing it over a high voltage electrical fence. I can't say for certain that I saw the same thing, but it was definitely a huge hairy hominid. I think what's scary is who knows how long that thing had been there before I walked up, watching me. If the marines weren't so strict on where you can and can't walk to within a half mile radius of the base, then it would probably still be there. I was just starting my shift for the night. The park closes at 10, and I'm done with the day. It was about midnight, and I was driving the back roads to get out of the park. There were no cars on the road heading towards town. The population is under 20,000, it could be considered by many a very small town. So I'm driving along, and I see something darting across the road in front of me. It looked like a big coyote, and then it turned its head, staring at my car as it ran towards me with its eyes. I hit my brakes pretty hard, but it just kept kind of running off into the woods, each stride covering 6 to 7 feet. It was huge and scared the crap out of me. I drove like hell to get back to the station. There's no way it was some escaped big cat we knew of, or any other type of big cat. There's no way it could have been a coyote, fox, or anything else that I know of. It was just far too large, easily bigger than a Great Dane dog. And since then, I had seen it at least three different times over the following two weeks. It didn't act aggressive, but more of an eerie presence than anything. So even though nothing major happened, my experiences still leave me all shaken up inside. There was something else that another park ranger in Idaho had experienced as well. Now, his sister lives out on the prairie, and her family is near the town in Idaho which she refuses to disclose. She's about 25 miles south of Boise. She told us that there's some type of large black dog she sees out near the prairie regularly, and it's freaking her out. She said that she could see its eyes in the nighttime, and it always seems to chase after her on the highway. Do you have any idea what sort of creature or animal this could be? Thank you. The remote jungle region of Argentina stretched out before us like an unforgiving abyss, our team of Navy SEALs led by Grant venturing into the heart of danger. We were on a high-stakes mission to rescue a kidnapped scientist, the key to unveiling a new bioweapon that could reshape the face of modern warfare. The sweltering humidity clung to our skin, and the dense foliage seemed to close in around us, as if the jungle itself wanted to keep its secrets hidden. As we trekked deeper into the unforgiving terrain, our senses remained on high alert. Every rustle of leaves, every distant sound made us tense, ready for any encounter. Our mission was of utmost importance, and the lives of countless innocents were at stake. One fateful night, as we moved stealthily through the underbrush, the jungle seemed to come alive with an eerie energy. It was then that we spotted it, an enigmatic and terrifying figure lurking amidst the trees. The moonlight cast a ghostly glow upon its form, revealing a grotesque and unnatural sight. This creature stood tall on its hind legs, its skeletal frame protruding beneath a sickly gray skin. Its limbs, 
grotesquely elongated, touched the ground like twisted appendages of a nightmarish nightmare. A spine that seemed to defy nature curved its back in an almost animalistic manner. Its eyes, hauntingly luminescent, locked onto mine, sending a shiver down my spine. This was no ordinary predator, it was an abomination of nature, a creature that should not exist. Before we could even process what we were witnessing, the creature sprang into action with supernatural speed. It moved as if it were one with the jungle, a blend of shadows and terror that closed the distance between us in mere seconds. Panic surged through our ranks as we scrambled to respond. Amidst the chaos, the sharp report of M16 rifles shattered the air, bullets finding their mark in the creature's hideous form. It let out a guttural, inhuman roar that reverberated through the night, a chorus of agony and fury. Despite our firepower, the creature managed to wound one of our team members before retreating into the shadows, leaving behind a trail of dark, viscous blood. Our mission continued, each step a reminder of the horrors we had encountered. We navigated through treacherous terrain, faced off against the paramilitary group guarding the kidnapped scientist, and eventually emerged victorious, with the scientist safely in our custody. But the memory of that fateful encounter with the creature remained etched in our minds, a question mark in the midst of our triumph. As we finally emerged from the jungle, the relief was palpable. The rescue had been a success, but we were haunted by the knowledge that something inexplicable, something beyond the realms of science and reason, had crossed our path. We often found ourselves sharing speculative glances, wondering if we had stumbled upon a creature born of nightmares, an ancient evil that had managed to survive in the hidden depths of the jungle. To this day, we carry that memory with us, a reminder that even in the face of danger and the unknown, our training and camaraderie can see us through. And as the sun sets over the distant horizon, casting long shadows that mirror the memory of that creature, we remain ever vigilant, ready for whatever challenges the world may throw our way. One early morning I got ready to go to the corner store before my kids had to go to school and my wife had to go to work right after. I grabbed the keys and didn't tell my wife I was leaving but I was sure she saw me leave and heard the keys. About 10 minutes later she texts me but I'm already heading back so I ignore it. As I pull up I read one of them and she was asking if I had left yet and I did so I got out the car and rushed inside to see if everything was okay. She comes out asking me if I was sitting on the couch a while ago and said no, but she said she saw me on the couch sitting like I was mad and walked up to me a bit and asked if I was okay. It didn't move much or say much but my wife was freaked out enough and went to the room waiting to see if it was gonna follow her. She then looked out the window and saw I took her car and got even more scared and that's when she said she texts me. I've had a few experiences as well but those will be separate stories. Thank you for listening and this story is very real and hope you enjoyed it. If you are reading this just know I know what a skinwalker is. But I really wanted to be in this group so I added the skinny part. But I'm sure it's some kind of mimic. Thank you. Thursday August 17th at around 2.30 in the morning I believe, I woke up to this loud screeching sound. It was sharp and short. It came in intervals of four, 
and then would stop for about 30 seconds, and then kick up again. It did this about three times, before it started to die down. Fortunately I was able to record two of the single sounds. Which I will attempt to post after this so you guys can hear it. Immediately I sent my friend, he will remain anonymous, the audio, he's really big on this kind of stuff, and he said that the sounds were coming from a windigo. Obviously I'm here almost pissing myself, cause the screeching woke me up. And I've never had anything like this wake me up before. I've been living in the mountains since 2019. So I've heard my fair share of animal noises. And this wasn't like anything I've ever heard before. The said friend just told me to make sure my windows are locked and keep an eye on my pets, which never leave the house anyways. I feel I should mention that I do have chickens? But they are more my stepmom's responsibility. Anyways, after that I ended up reading a little on the creature and then ended up going back to sleep. Because at this point it was 3 in the morning. Even being super into the supernatural, I have never experienced their presence. It's one thing to hear stories, but being at the telling end of that story, is so different. So that's really all I have to say. I guess I just need some, I dunno connection? Maybe you guys can. Tell me about similar experiences so I don't feel so alone? And, maybe you have some tips to keep myself safe. I'm not going out to poke to bear per se, so, maybe if I just leave it alone it won't F with me. I'm on here because what I saw was odd by Malibu, Santa Monica Mountains in a secluded beach about two weeks ago. I wanted you guys to help me narrow down which cryptid or animal it can potentially be anyways the night it happened I randomly got the chills and I couldn't stop staring to a direction of the hills behind me and I asked my friend if we can go home since I had a feeling we were being watched and he kept reassuring me nothing is going on but still I insisted on going home. It was 12 am minus 1 am, and once we started the walk back I saw a coyote which didn't alarm me since it was just one and I've seen them before in packs and walked right past it. What freaked me out was the thing traveling with it. Once we walked a little a while and had some distance from where we saw the coyote I turned around and at first I didn't see it clearly in the beginning due to it remaining in the dark avoiding lamp posts but whatever that thing was turned to its side and since I was able to see the coyote next to it by comparison it was way larger than it. It had no hair, bald, it was pale no snout and humanoid if that thing would have stood up I swear it would have been 7 feet. 8 feet and its back wasn't completely flat like a dog it was hunched over. I saw it having huge nails or fingers I'm not sure and its legs weren't dog-like but a humanoid while it sniffed and followed us where we walked by earlier I was so afraid because how did I not see it earlier? Or even heard it since one it was huge and the color would have stood out to me in the shrub. Another weird detail I noticed was how everything was creepily quiet, all the crickets and bugs from earlier just disappeared and sudden mists surrounding us even though I am fully aware on that happening being near the coastline but it felt abnormal and just creepy. I'd like to preface by saying that I got home about an hour ago and this actually happened. I never have paranormal encounters and genuinely try to approach everything with a questioning mind. My partner and I like to hike at a local park late at night. 
It's a historic park in Pennsylvania about 3,500 acres in size that spans over into the Maryland and Delaware borders. One of the trails allows you to cross through all three states. The entire park is mostly dense woods with a creek running through. Usually we park near an old church with a Revolutionary War cemetery that is famous for a grave known as the Ticking Tomb. I've been to every corner of this park, day or night. We usually hike a short loop that is roughly a half mile in length. We've walked this trail literally thousands of times and never once felt anything strange. But tonight was different. We made a spontaneous decision to go on a night hike and left the house at about 10.45 p.m. I decided to take the narrow dirt road to our usual parking spot, rather than driving a mile up the road to a paved access road like we normally do. About halfway down the ragged dirt and gravel road as we rounded a corner, an animal dashed across the road in the path of our headlights. I've never seen anything like this animal, and I've never seen an animal that size in this area that I couldn't immediately identify. Its size was somewhere between a dog and a human and it moved so quickly it almost looked like it flew. A literal black blur with some hazy details and bright silver eyes. My partner also saw it. I'm generally a skeptic, so I just wrote it off, and we both just kind of explained it away. We made it to our parking spot and pretty much resolved not to talk about it and continue on as usual. Immediately when we got out onto the trail, we noticed the frogs and cicadas were extremely loud, louder than I've ever heard them at night around here. As we progressed down the trail, it felt like we had to talk over the cicadas. We sort of quietly yet frantically attempted at lightening the mood with conversation. Unbeknownst to me at the time, about a hundred meters down the trail my partner had begun to hear what he thought were extremely distant voices. I also noticed that the cicadas got progressively quieter the further we got down the trail. We made it about a quarter mile before a sudden, louder sound felt like it cut through the space between my ears. It was something like a glitching microphone or megaphone way off in the distance. My partner pointed out to me later that there was nothing for the echo to bounce off of in that area. The moment we heard that sound I stopped immediately and asked if he heard it, too. Not only had he heard it, but he was convincing himself that he was hallucinating the sounds the entire time until I finally acknowledged it. Without discussion we both immediately turned around and started walking at a fast pace back to the car. I felt like it was a bad idea to run, but we had to leave right away. We hoofed it back to the car with the feeling that something was following us all the way to the entrance. When we finally got back into the car and started driving, the feeling of urgency didn't go away. We made it all the way down the main road to our first turn and I felt a moment of complete confusion. As I slowed to the turn, my partner asked me, do you not know where you are right now? Because neither do I. We have literally driven this road thousands of times. I made a split second decision to turn right, which was thankfully the right choice. The next road went along the perimeter of the park and parallel with the trail we were hiking. There was tons of fog, which hadn't been there on our way in. We spent maybe 20 minutes at the park. Just as we made our way past the area that we had turned around, another animal darted across the road in front of our headlights. It looked exactly like the one we saw on our way in, only closer and in more detail. It had silver eyes and what looked like ears or horns. 
It was still insanely fast and either a blur or a wraith. I don't know how else to describe it. I get this really weird feeling when I think about it or talk about it. The feeling started when I saw it run across the road the second time. I feel like it's because I acknowledged that, whatever that thing was, I couldn't explain it. I feel an almost burning sensation in my sinuses, my eyes water, and I get a strange tingling in the back of my skull. Like I said before, I'm usually a skeptic when it comes to this kind of stuff. But this experience has left me rattled. I'm Barger, a seasoned six-year army veteran, and I've faced my... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. A fair share of challenging situations. But nothing could have prepared me for that fateful night when I crossed paths with the enigmatic creature known as the Dog Man. It was a calm evening in June, and I was on my usual route, hauling a hefty load of paper from a northern Michigan mill through the dense forest. Little did I know that my life was about to take a drastic turn into the realm of the unimaginable. The incident, unfolding in a matter of mere seconds, would leave an indelible mark on my memory. In a later video that I shared, I recounted the extraordinary tale, my voice resolute and sincere. I would swear, as a Christian on a Bible, that this is all 100% factual, truth, I asserted. Leading up to the encounter, I noticed an air leak while navigating through the forest. Worried about the situation, I pulled over to address it, maneuvering myself beneath the trailer. As I worked to fix the issue, an unsettling feeling crept over me. Amidst the eerie ambience, an unnatural vocalization reached my ears, unlike any sound I had ever heard. My gaze shifted towards the nearby woodline, where I detected shadowy movements. Despite the ample light, a sense of unease gripped me, and I instinctively attributed the shadow to a potential black bear. However, what unfolded next shattered all expectations. As I resumed my journey, I glanced into the side mirror, only to find an inexplicable darkness cloaking my surroundings. To my astonishment, a colossal wolf-like head, with piercing yellow eyes and gleaming, sharp teeth, trotted alongside my truck on two legs. It was stooping down on two legs, looking down inside of my cabin, I recounted. My voice conveyed a mix of fascination and fear. He was sneering. The looks he was giving me, and the intelligence in his eyes, was telling me I'm here to get you, and there's nothing you can do about it. The encounter unfolded in slow motion as I grappled with the surreal reality before me. Fueled by a sense of urgency, I reached for my 45 Colt handgun and fired two shots at the creature. It crumpled, seemingly lifeless, and my focus shifted back to the road as I tried to steady my pounding heart. After a mile, I managed to find a suitable spot to turn around and inspect the aftermath. However, upon my return to the site, the creature had vanished, 
leaving behind a jeep and two individuals. They explained that they had been observing two bears fighting, which added a perplexing layer to the mystery. Driven by shock and curiosity, I sought answers, only to be met with an empty space where the creature once stood. With time, my nightmares gradually faded, though the memory of the encounter remained vivid. Eventually, I made the decision to share my experience, believing it was essential for others to know. However, this revelation attracted the unwanted attention of federal authorities, who confiscated my gun, intimidated me, and demanded my silence. I deduced that the government was keeping the existence of the dogman hidden, possibly for some covert military purpose. As my story spread, it joined the ranks of the numerous dogman legends that have haunted Michigan for over a century. From the tales of lumberjacks in 1887 to my own modern-day encounter in 2017, the enigmatic creature continues to capture the imagination of those who cross its path. My encounter with the dogman serves as a haunting reminder that the boundary between reality and the unknown can blur in the most unexpected ways, leaving even the most resilient individuals questioning their understanding of the world around them. I was in a 24-hour shopping center car park waiting for a friend who works there at around 10 p.m. Suddenly a kid pops out of the window screen and starts tapping. I'm thinking where the hell did he come from? And is he trying to rob me? Anyway, I roll the window down only partially and remember that my doors are locked so I feel a little bit safer. I ask the kid what you want? Sir, I'm lost, can you take me home? I ask where are your parents as it was late at night and there was no one else visible on the same floor I was waiting on. This was starting to feel off. I'm lost and just want to go home he replied. This was definitely weird. I looked at him again. Then I did a double take. OMG. His eyes were white. Not just white around the edges but unending white through the entire eye, no iris and no pupil just a solid wall of light. I really don't why but I felt myself smiling slightly as I gazed at him. Then my thoughts began to collect again. It must have been about 3 seconds. Ah uh, sorry. No kid I have to go I immediately regretted replying. But you have to take me, the kid replied. I don't know how but I could feel his voice more than hear it. His words began echoing in my mind longer than it should have. Ah, uh, no kid I have to go. I started panicking. The kid replied again, this time with something indescribable behind his voice. I'm lost and just want to go home. I don't know how but at this point it was as if someone had put the kid's voice on a loudspeaker and as he spoke I felt as though a booming was resonating from within the kid. The force of the kid's voice was so strong. I felt strongly sympathetic to the kid, almost like I was being forced to buy him. Anyway, with the last ounce of control I had left I turned the car on and slammed on the accelerator. The kid immediately shouted out no. Take me with you. At this point, it was as though the kid's voice was a machine gun firing into me. I immediately sped to the nearest exit in a dreamlike state and drove into the night. My friend at this point could find his own way back to his house, which he did later. While driving and exiting from the car park I could still feel his voice within me resonating at an amplified volume. The force of his voice, 
It was as if I had been picked up and violently shaken by the kid whose voice was so clear, and my unconscious was analyzing every nuance and inflection of what he had said like I was being forced to. There was so much force behind it. Anyway, after I got back to my apartment I immediately tried to forget the whole thing. The next day I drive to work in the normal manner, and my friend was there resentful that I had left but we soon went back to good terms. I never did tell him or anyone else about the incident. The strangest thing did happen, however, on that same day. When I was driving back from work back to my apartment there was a tremendous thunderstorm and I noticed flashes, although I didn't see it, of lightning. When I was at my apartment building, I live in a complex, I open a huge metal door to get in and it was soaking wet. There was a handprint on it. I only noticed when I looked down to pull on the handle at about the same height a small child would place their hands. The handprint was white and although the whole door was dripping with water the handprint seemed to be made of recently dried paint. I touched it, looked up, and felt it in my hand just to make sure it was painted. It was. I looked down again. The handprint within the two second span of me sampling it and looking up had gone from white to clear, from the rain dripping on the door. I touched it again and felt it. It was painted but now completely soaked with water and far more fluid than it was before indicating it was being soaked. I looked down again. It had vanished. I put my hand on where the paint had been, but it was nothing but a metal door behind it. For some reason, I looked behind me. Of course, there was no one there. I went inside and made my way up to my apartment and had an early night. I have not encountered any white-eyed kids since or any being of, supernatural? Type for that matter. However, I now live a slightly more cautious life than before. I have become more religious now and now occasionally read the Bible when I didn't really believe in God before. Maybe I'll go to church. I don't know. The fact is these creatures might actually exist and are waiting for the right opportunity to strike. The crawlers aren't real. That's the first thing you need to understand, just in case it starts to affect you before you reach the end of this post. The crawlers aren't real, and you must hold on to that thought, no matter what your senses tell you. The crawlers are not real. We are at the start of a public health emergency, and absolutely no one wants to talk about it. Not the state health department, not the CDC, not even the American Psychiatric Association. That last one is what hurts the most. You see, I'm a psychiatrist in a state mental hospital. The patients I treat are generally people who can't function in daily life due to mental illness. Such individuals usually have a wide range of issues, from PTSD to schizophrenia. That's why this last week has been so strange. We've had 15 new patients, more than triple what we're used to in this small hospital and 13 of them show the same pathologies. They speak of inhuman figures that approach by crawling along walls and ceilings, seeking to do them harm. The hallucinations appear to be both vivid and realistic. Each patient describes how they can see, hear, smell, and even feel these creeping things. Their reactions, such as shrieking and cowering in a corner, also suggests that the hallucinations appear to be physically real from the point of view of these patients. And therein lies the danger. Not in these nightmarish hallucinations, 
but rather in each individual's reaction to them. One young man jumped off an eighth-floor balcony. Another middle-aged woman stabbed a meat skewer through her eye socket. Those are just two examples of the lengths people will go to as they try to escape these things that they believe are pursuing them. Furthermore, I'm confident that hundreds of cases of this particular psychosis are going undiagnosed. Although we don't yet have the final data, information from the state health department indicates a dramatic increase in self-harm over the past month, an increase of 510% compared to last month's data. So where does that leave us? What I'm about to propose next may seem shocking, even unprecedented, but I ask you to keep an open mind and consider documented events such as the dancing plague that affected Europe in the 16th century. I believe we may be facing a contagious psychiatric disorder. I base this claim firstly on the psychopathologies, each patient's description of the stalking creature, and their reaction to it, are virtually identical in each case. Secondly, the testimonies of the patients themselves suggest that the hallucination is in some sense transmissible. I'll explain further below. A university student described how a friend pounded on her door shortly after midnight, begging to be let in because something was chasing her. She hid immediately beneath the bed, but the student in question saw nothing in the hallway. At first, after failing to get anything but gibberish from her friend, she left her room to seek help from the authorities. It was then that she claimed to see a horrible grey thing moving along the ceiling, opening its jaws to devour me. The university student and her friend were admitted last night as case 12 and case 11, respectively. Case 11's attempts at self-harm have thus far been thwarted. Case 12 was not as fortunate. The delusion appears to completely ignore divisions of class, race, age, health, and lifestyle, as evinced by Case 8, an 81-year-old man whose background could not be more different than that of Cases 11 and 12. Case 8, who prior to being ingressed was housebound due to obesity and other health issues, reported how one by one his family members were afflicted. First his granddaughter never came back from buying groceries, then his daughter vanished while on a walk, and finally his son disappeared while searching for the other two. Case 8 waited, a prisoner in his armchair, until he saw a god-awful shadow silhouetted in the streetlight. According to Case 8, the thing slithered under the door and came for him, and that's how he was found, screaming and trying to drag his bulk along the floor. Authorities have thus far been unable to locate the missing family members. In Cases 11 and 12, the delusion appears to have been passed between two individuals in contact with each other, as with the flu, in case 8, however, we see that it appeared in an entire family, like a genetic disorder. Yet surely none is stranger than that of case 5, a night security guard at a shopping center. Case 5 was brought to us after he ran crying into traffic and was declared too agitated for normal hospitalization. In case 5, the hallucinations appear to have begun of their own accord, without any prior contact or family history. The individual was simply performing his duties, walking through the empty mall with a large flashlight, when he began to notice movement in the corners of his vision. The following is a transcription of Case 5's words while he was being transported from the hospital to our facility by ambulance. They've lost my scent for now, thank God. Where was I? Right, 
The mall. Patrolling in the mall. It was easy to dismiss at first. A claw disappearing around a corner. A shadow that sorta looked like some starving hunched over thing disappearing into a rack of clothes. It was always creepy in there, but I was used to it. Just figured my eyes was playing tricks. But the longer I walked, the more I saw. Until it was right in front of me. You can't even imagine. The way it just hung from the ceiling tiles like a damn cave cricket. That skittering sound. And that reekin' smell. You can't think of anything else except that you're gonna wind up in its belly. I ran, fast as I could, and it was right behind me the whole way. Like it could've taken me at any time and was just toying with me. I think I. I felt it brush the back of my neck a few times. Just to hear me scream. When I ran out into that traffic, I wasn't even thinking. I didn't even know where I was. Oh my god. Do you hear that? No, wait don't look out the window. It'll see. It'll know. It's here. It's trying to slip through the door. It's, wailing, unintelligible. Of course, the three ambulance nurses transporting case 5 did not report seeing anything unusual except for the unfortunate security guard's own delusional behavior. Although it is true that one of them has not yet reported in for a shift today. I mention these cases not only as support for my theory, but also to impress upon anyone who reads this the severity of the situation. So far, recovery from this delusion appears impossible, and death or incapacitation nearly certain, as individuals suffering from it invariably attempt to take their own lives rather than face the things they believe to be stalking them. I wish I could provide you with more data, but we simply don't have it. I don't want to believe that government agencies and private organizations even hospitals are deliberately suppressing information about this condition, but the evidence before my eyes offers no other explanation. Our pleas for resources are stonewalled at every turn, our cases do not remain communicative long enough to be studied, and even our requests for autopsies are denied. My colleagues who have talked to the media find that their warnings go unreported except by the most extreme fringe journalists, where our desperate call for help appears beside 5G conspiracies, Bigfoot sightings, and MLM ads. With no other recourse, I'm sending this warning to those who might believe it. Based on what we've seen so far, these are the symptoms to watch out for, a persistent feeling of being watched or followed. An irrational fear of peepholes, Cracked open doors, nearly closed curtains, dark rooms, and other places where something might hide. A sense of movement just beyond the edges of vision. Visual, auditory, olfactory, and tactile hallucinations of a creature or creatures. An unexplained desire to flee, accompanied by feelings of dread and helplessness these are just a few of the first warning signs. Our observations suggest they can occur in any order over any length of time. Once these symptoms begin to appear, it is critical to remember that these are just delusions. The crawling things are not real. This is where I leave you. I wish you the best, and I hope you never have cause to understand my warning. I hope it passes through your life like forgettable gibberish, and you never endure what our patients are enduring now. I did not intend to end this document on a personal note, but I feel I need to post this while I'm still able. There's a skittering sound coming from the kitchen behind me. 
And the truth is that I'm afraid to turn around. I was camping in backwoods northwestern Georgia near the Alabama border as a kid with my dad, I don't remember where exactly, around 1988. Hiking off in the woods we found this old stone building that looked ancient. It was falling apart and covered in green moss and vines and fallen pine needles and leaves. There was an entrance with no door. The small structure had three rooms total, a main room that the entrance opened into and two smaller rooms on the sides. The floor was just dirt with all sorts of trash and plant litter. There weren't any windows. Someone had clearly set a fire in one room that burned the stone walls black in one area. While exploring it we discovered a well, at least I'm assuming that's what it was because it was a huge hole into the ground with a bottom you couldn't see, inside the main room. We're not talking a three foot wide well, we're talking six or seven feet. The raised stone wall around this well was maybe a foot and a half to two feet high. It was massive and completely pitch black at the bottom. We dropped a few rocks down it but never heard a splash or them hitting the bottom. The smell coming from it wasn't like an animal died down it, it was weirder than that. I can't really describe it other than to say it smelled like decay and danger and very frightening. It wasn't a windy day but there was a breeze coming up from inside the well and sounds that were very weird. It was a groaning and creaking, but not like wood makes. It wasn't constant either. It would happen for a few seconds, stop but the wind from it was still coming up, and start again. It didn't seem rhythmic enough to be machinery. My dad and I were very freaked out because when exploring the structure we hadn't heard or smelled anything other than earth and must, but when we went to the edge of the well the sounds, which were loud enough we should have heard it outside, started and so did the breeze. To say the least it caused me to have a very bad feeling. The sounds were terrifying, especially to a nine-year-old. We took off and went back to our campsite, packed up, and went home. My dad went to try to find the place again to show his friends, but said he couldn't locate it. We'd been camping off in the woods and not in a campsite, so we weren't sure exactly where we'd been and this was long before GPS devices. To this day I still have occasional nightmares about that well. I wonder what the hell that building was doing off in the middle of nowhere. I wonder who built the structure and whether the well was there before it, if they were built together, or if someone put it in after. I wonder why the well was even there and what we heard coming from it. I have never been able to make sense of any of it. One time we ran from the capital during the war, probably best not to disclose the country name, and went up north to a tribal area, farms, water paths, wild insects, snakes and all kinds of crazy stuff. People lived in mud-built houses. Usually open, deserted areas have all kinds of weird things go on, but people just got used to it, they told us to not be scared if we see something out of the ordinary, just keep doing what we're doing. One night we, men's of the families, slept outside the house next to the farm, water path, we had a small minivan so we had both slide doors open, hooked up a tiny TV to the battery to watch the news at home. My uncle and his brother-in-law laid in the van whilst we slept on the floor over throw sheets. We woke up to my uncle screaming, and his brother-in-law running around the car and into the dark. 
My uncle got out of the car, yelling at us scared, saying he saw his brother-in-law peeking into the van staring at him with a wide smile, and when he turned to face the other side, his in-law was also laying asleep next to him. And then it happened, and true, his in-law woke up and got out of the car wondering what happened. We couldn't sleep until sun came out, we spoke to the owners of the land and they said those are jinns and they can manipulate people by being in different shapes, creatures. We didn't last for a couple more days living with fear so we all drove back to the capital. But last year I had just moved in with my at the time girlfriend, now wife. She started a new job working nights at a hospital and our apartment complex was brand spanking new, and it was built out on the edge of town. Basically in a very rural area surrounded by nothing but crops and cows. And we were some of the first to move in. One other neighbor and I shared one entire building. And he was never home. So usually late at night it was just the dog and I, with nobody else around. One night things got creepy. It was spring break week, and literally almost the entire complex was empty, emptier than usual because most residents are college kids. Myself included. It truly would not be surprised if this night, I had been the only one in the entire complex, meaning I was alone with nobody around for at least 10 miles. Compared to some of the other stories here, that's nothing. I wasn't alone at sea, or in the wilderness. But I was alone, far from help, with nobody around for miles. My wife called me on her break and let me know we were in a severe storm warning. She freaks out and calls me anytime weather gets bad. I would like to pretend to be Mr. Tough Guy who ain't afraid of no rain, or hail, or tornado. But, it is a relief to have her call or be around when it gets bad outside. She called to remind me of our plants outside. It was midnight, and I was really into a game of Dota 2. But I quit the game and went to go gather up our patio furniture and plants. The wind was picking up and it was pitch black, save for our dim porch light. Nobody near me was home, that I knew of. So there were no other lights, and just my car in our parking lot. It started thundering on my second trip from the house, we had a ton of potted plants, and lightning started lighting up the pitch black parking lot which is when I noticed the man standing near one of the trees that lined the back wall of the complex. I got several good looks at him because it was lightninging so much. He was wearing black jeans, a black puffy hoodie with the hood up, and he had what looked to be a brown paper bag in his hand. Which made me think oh, he's picking up after his dog. Well, he had no dog. And he as it started storming he continued to stay out in the trees by the edge of the complex. Finally I noticed he had moved towards the parking lot, and then he just poofed. I couldn't find him from the window anymore, and I ran to make sure my door was locked. I sat back at my PC, still not really scared, just being better safe than sorry. I still thought maybe he was picking up dog crap, or maybe it was just a drunk college kid smoking a joint or something. In the rain. The more I thought about it the less it made sense for him to be there and that is when I saw his outline on my porch. He was sitting on my patio furniture. He just took a seat at the little table we have and had his legs crossed and was leaning back. This is where it gets weird, obviously. 
I banged on our window to shoo him away and he just stood up. He then turned and tapped back on the glass at me and sort of giggled to himself. Remember, all the while mother nature is letting loose in the background. The wind was horrible, it hailed for a bit, and he just stood on my porch, and was now staring back at me through the window. I could see his outline through our blinds, but he couldn't, should not have, see me. But he was staring right at my face. His hood obscured his actual face, but I could tell he was Hispanic, and had a rosary necklace on. But from the nose up, I couldn't see. He then turned to my door and turned the handle. Which is the point at which I decided okay, F this shit. And grabbed my gun. I intended to open the blinds and show him I had it to scare him away, or if need be take a shot through the glass. It took me maybe 10 seconds to go to my gun, and get back. And I was of course in panic, super shaky mode. I honestly feared him crashing through a window, or throwing a chair through one, or something. When I came back, he was gone of course. And when I went outside the next day, he had thrown something red and sticky all over my car. Or I assume he did. Bit late to the party, and this actually has to do with some dive buddies of mine, but a few years back I was part of a class doing a night dive in Hawaii at this place called Hanauma Bay. Now, to set the picture, imagine a volcanic crater that had one side collapse against the sea, forming a neat little sheltered inlet. Nowadays, it's a wildlife preserve, and with the crater walls, the water isn't affected as much by the ocean's waves and swells, so it's usually calm, clear and absolutely incredible to swim, snorkel, dive in. Near the break in the wall, a length of coral stretches from one end to the other, with at least two locations that have apertures through which you can leave the barrier. This exposes you to the open ocean and all the crazy wildlife that isn't capable of finding or fitting into the bay itself. As a bay out in the middle of nowhere, there aren't any lights to speak of. Which means, at night, it's pitch black. If you haven't been somewhere away from the city, I cannot express just how unimaginably dark it can get, especially when it's cloudy out, guess what? So for this night dive, we buddy up and take a light, or two, if you brought one, and go swim about with red filters over the bulb so that you don't scare away the sea creatures, they can't see red. Kind of like me, I guess. It also makes you feel like you're in a horror movie. Anywho, a pair of divers decided that they'd try something a bit different. Those of you paying attention may have guessed that this different action was to swim outside the barrier. They do, and get to see all kinds of neat little fishies right before their bulb pops. In their only flashlight. So picture this. You're stuck, floating in the open ocean. You have no light, so you can't see anything. Not your gauges, not a huge deal, since we're mostly on the surface for this, not your buddy, not the people you came with. Nothing. And you especially can't see where the only two places you can get through the coral barrier are. And coral? Coral is sharp. If you end up smashed against coral, you come out looking like ground beef. It's jagged, painful, and full of fun little bitey things, urchins and maybe a poisonous fish or two. To add to the fun, water does a great job of not carrying sound very far. 
meaning no one could hear them screaming for help. So to reiterate, they were blind, unable to communicate with the rest of us, and caught between the ocean and a giant, underwater meat grinder. The best part? No one knew. They hadn't told anyone they were going out, it was just a quick decision on their parts to poke outside the wall a bit. They were out there for over 15 minutes, floating in that sinister nothing, when an unbelievable stroke of luck hit. Another pair of divers decided to poke through the hole. The same hole they came through. Luckily, they saw the flashlights from the other divers, scared the ever-living shit out of them, and returned across the barrier to safety. When they got back, they were shaken and rattled. They told us about going outside the wall, about seeing weird and cool fish, and then about something. They described it as monstrous and serpentine, about as wide around as a waist and maybe eight feet long, with a vaguely human-like head, that showed up just before the light died. Now, likely, they were just running on imagination and probably saw some awesome shark or eel or were dealing with an LSD-fueled hallucination who knows with us divers. But their stories about this human-headed sea serpent drained the rest of us of any interest in exploring beyond the barrier again that night. I've met many fellow outdoorsmen in my area who have claimed to walk past someone on a trail, said hello or whatever, and turned around to realize that no one was there. I have an uncle who has a few stories like this. He has always said that he realized after getting a few feet away that they were not actually walking and that's why he turns around. It generally seems to happen in areas where defunct mines are in the area. What I find interesting though is that it's only on trails. He hunts often and is usually nowhere near trails but never has any such encounters away from them. Not quite like what was seen on the plane nor is there any real evidence other than stories but still a fun story nonetheless. So my mom has told me about this story a couple of times, and her brother backed it up, basically it goes like this. Back in the late 60s early 70s my mom and her brother were kids and they were at their grandparents house in South Jersey. And she and my uncle both say they saw a giant ant or spider, like the size of a dining room table, creature moving around in the yard at dusk and then it vanished. They tried to tell their parents but no one believed them. Now I'm not sure if this story belongs here but I believe that they did see something whatever it might be, I have questioned her about it and asked if it was really real and she always gets defensive about it. I was just wondering if anyone else had a similar thing happen. <laughs> 